Spirit Church, and I'll be giving us a talk from the passage we just had uh, read for us. So will I stay or will I walk away? Is one of the basic and yet really significant decisions we make almost every day. We find ourselves in the context of our lives. Do I stick with this or do I go? Am I in or am I out? People ask themselves that uh, all the time, whether it's in relationships uh, or about their work uh, and the roles and responsibilities that you've committed yourselves to, how to use your time, what you've, what you've invested in, uh, decisions about immigration or where you're going to live. Do I stay put or do I pull up stumps to try to find greener pastures somewhere else? And that's a question that Jesus puts to his disciples in the passage that we're looking at this morning that we just had read, this last part of John chapter 6. Uh, it's been a big chapter, John chapter 6. We've been taking our time going through it. If you've been following uh, this series we've been doing this whole year, uh, you'd know this is the sixth talk in this, just in this chapter. We've been here for almost a, over a month. And you'd remember we'd, we'd been through Jesus feeding 5,000, he's walked on water, he starts teaching this crowd that follows him that he is the bread of life. And when they don't get it, he starts being even more explicit. He says, uh, we considered it here last week and also at camp, uh, Jesus says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, meaning unless you come to me and believe in me, you have no life. You don't have any hope of real and lasting life. But in me, Jesus says, you'll find something that will sustain you indefinitely, uh, whatever the circumstances. Now, that's a big claim from Jesus. It's a big, exclusive, uh, narrow, kind of isolating claim when Jesus says that he is the only hope, that there is no other way, no other way to God or to life or to a significant future except in him. Uh, It's the kind of thing that offended a lot of people back then. And it's the kind of thing that continues to offend people's sensibilities today. And where we uh, pick up the story from this morning, John chapter 6, verse 60, a whole bunch of people who've come out to Jesus that day decide, after having heard what Jesus has just said, they decide to leave. These were maybe the same ones who heard about the amazing things that Jesus had been doing. That's why they came to see him in the first place. Maybe some of them had been there to taste the two fish, five loaves that he, he took and distributed amongst all those people that were gathered there that day. They'd been part of the action. They'd seen, they'd tasted. They'd been witness to all these things and yet now that Jesus has made himself absolutely clear to them, the kind of discipleship that he's after and they understand it, well now they're not so sure. See, uh, if you look in verse 60... On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching, and who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life, yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray them. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. So from this time, 
many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. They don't. They, they can't accept Jesus' claims that he is this bread of life. No, Jesus, you do not have the monopoly on life. I won't accept that. And so many walk away. And seeing this crowd melt, Jesus turns to his 12 disciples, the ones closest to him, and he asks them, verse 67, You do not want to leave too, do you? He asked the twelve. And here's their chance, isn't it? They've seen lots of people walking away. This is their out, if any of them want to take it. Will I stay with Jesus? Or do I join the rest walking away from him? There's plenty of people starting to, to go, left, right and centre. You only ask that question, uh, whether, whether you're going to stay or whether you're going to go, in any situation in life, you only ask that if there's something about your present circumstances that has become less than ideal. You know, otherwise, you don't even think about it. If you're on a good wicket, you just stay there. Either there's been some bumps in the road in the past that you've just been through, or there's some bumps ahead that you can see coming. That's why you're asking, should I change track now? You know, do, I, do, I, do I move and avoid the frustration and the pain that's just about to come around the corner. If things are smooth sailing, you, you never ask those things. You just, you just keep going. And maybe for some of us here this morning, uh, you find faith and believing in Jesus easy. And if that's you, if you find believing easy, then rejoice. It's a good place to be. But many of us, I know, walk through seasons of life where Believing in Jesus is hard. Uh, maybe that's partly just your disposition. You're a skeptical type, and you've got always you've got always more answers, uh, more questions than answers. I think that's what I'm trying to say. And you know that's that's part of what makes you you. Or maybe life's just kicked you in the guts lately, and for some particular reason, it's particularly hard to believe right now. Or you're going through a period of transition, maybe. Uh, and they say often it's in those times that it's really hard to see God in the picture. Um, they say that, you know, when you're about to move from school to, to work or school to uni or from job to job, one country to another, uh, or you're just moving into a different stage in life and circumstances, uh, whether you um, you started a relationship or you, you had kids or you're retiring or you're losing a loved one, those changes that happen, they're the, they're the really fragile moments in life where um, quite often it's, it's people walking away, people reassessing, people thinking about how they're making their big decisions. And so if for whatever reason you're finding it hard to believe in this season of life that you're walking in, I think this passage is especially for you. Because I think here we see Peter and the other disciples with a chance to walk away like so many others. It's become pretty obvious to them that following Jesus is not going to be the popular option moving forward. Uh, what Jesus says is pretty radical and quite offensive. It's not the, the crowd that gets in with the, the, the rest of the population there. And it's, uh, this is the decision that they make that will take them to most of these guys, their death. 
The thousands around them are walking away from Jesus, shaking their heads. And so Jesus asked these twelve, do you want to leave too? And the disciples respond, you have the words of eternal life. That's what they come up with. Why didn't Peter walk away? Now, some of us might be thinking about walking off. It's, it's not easy living by faith in this world that we do with all the pressures against faith within and without. What stops Peter? Uh, he says, he tells us in, in verse 68, and his response is very simple. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? If we walk away from you, to whom do we go? He's essentially saying, okay, let's imagine and let ourselves imagine what life might be if we turned away from you, Jesus. If we consider that seriously, to whom shall we go? And that little rhetorical question that Peter asked, I think is why this passage might be really good, might be speaking strongly to some of us who are finding it hard to believe this morning. Because Peter implicitly says, Lord, however tempting that thought might be, wherever we look for another way or another Lord, another salvation, another saviour, another source of life and meaning, another philosophy, another anything, they all come up short, Jesus. And his conclusion is, we can't walk away. You have the words of eternal life. Let's think about it this morning. If we're not going to go with Jesus, where do we go? Shall we go with those who try to save themselves? And try to do like the typical Aussie in the suburb, just do enough good things to offset the bad things so that you can go to sleep at night. To be an upright standing citizen, to tip the balance in our favour, on the cosmic scale somehow by our own amazingness. But is our conscience, let alone God, going to be satisfied with our own attempts to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps? And I think if we're totally honest with ourselves, you and I know that doesn't cut it. What keeps us in check most of the time is more fear of consequences than some innate goodness in us, I think. Or shall we go, if we're going to walk away from Jesus, shall we go with those who don't see that sin is a real problem at all? You know, that there's bigger fish to fry in my life, there's other issues, sin is not the big one. And besides, God's some gracious Santa Claus in the sky anyway, isn't he? He's going to forgive us regardless. and Just sweep everything under the carpet, because he's good for it. And maybe sin's not all that pervasive. I mean, it's a bad influence, it affects other people, but... It's not like the total enslavement unto death that Jesus talks about. But then again, even our own souls and our experience in the world doesn't let us go that way. Scripture attests and God tells us time and time again that he cares personally about sin. That it is personal. It's a rejection of him. And the stories we get all through the Bible is that every time we go our own way, it doesn't end well for us. You know, that our straying isn't just some endearing, endearing, uh, lovable quirk about us as a humanity. It's, it's actually a fatal flaw that will end us. And it's the root of our problems. It's something we can't shake on our own. Or, you know, if we're going to walk away from Jesus, shall we go with those people who say that God doesn't exist at all? So it doesn't matter. That we're all just accidents and very complicated 
combinations of matter and energy that somehow coalesce and stay together, popped into existence by itself and somehow keeps itself going. And that my rage at evil in the world that I see is just a chemical reaction, which loses all meaning, really. As if my uh, sense of morality is nothing more than just the way that my brain fires chemically in a slightly different way to how I feel when my tummy's rumbling. And so there is no right or wrong, just what is. But I don't know if I can in good conscience go there either. Or shall we go with those who say that we can't know for sure? You know, something's out there maybe, but there's no way to be absolutely sure what is, and so any path to the divine might be as good as any other. Just do your best. But I think that's just the lazy man's way of avoiding looking deeper at what's there, because here's Jesus saying, look at me, I am the bread of life. And there's no one who speaks like him, no one who acts like him, no one who lives out the kind of godliness that you see Jesus living out in the Gospels. There's no one who's full of authority like Jesus and yet is so gentle and humble and willing to be dishonoured. Someone so capable and yet so unwilling to use that capacity to promote his own ego and instead surrenders himself to God's will and for our good. There's no one who ever taught like Jesus, no one who ever loved like Jesus or given himself for the sake of others like Jesus. And so this is how thousands of us have come to Christ. When you encounter that story, you meet this man in his word, so many of us have become drawn to him. And not without struggle, you know, not that all our difficulties in believing go away. Some of the things that Jesus says continues to be hard to understand and swallow and, and we still wrestle with a lot of what we say we believe. But you know, as you look around for some other philosophy of life or some other God in a world without God, or you try to find an explanation that makes a better sense of things and come up empty time and time again, I think you end up saying with Peter, as you look at Jesus, where else have we to go when you have the words of eternal life? Now, how do you get to the point that Peter gets to? How do you get to the point where you see Jesus like that? Look at verse 69. Peter says, We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. How do you get there? And Jesus has already told us. It's, it's by the Spirit of God. Verse 63. John 6.63, Jesus says, The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. And the words I've spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. You can't miss the connection there between uh, the Spirit of God and the Word of God. It's through the Gospel, the good news, the words of Jesus and his work, illuminating your heart and your mind so that you see him as being more precious than anything else? Have you seen the glory of the one and only from the Father, full of grace and truth? Have you received grace upon grace and come to share in the life that Jesus has been talking about all through this chapter? Do you believe? And if you do, 
It was the Spirit who gave that to you. God who drew you near. And if that's the case, if there's a Spirit who's been at work in you and God who's drawn you near, then you have confidence, don't you, that Jesus will keep you. He's not going to go away. That he'll enable you to stay with him and you have eternal life. And so this is an incredibly encouraging and reassuring passage, and yet at the same time, it's a pretty disturbing one because just alongside those verses I've read to you, there's also mention of Judas and the countless others who walk away. Judas, he saw everything else like the other 11 disciples, but who at some point, he was drawn to Jesus, and then, you know, in the end, he betrays Jesus, and he walks away. And so there's this real tension here between the confidence you can have that you see in Peter when he says the words, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and to know you. And then there's Judas, who's been in the same room as Peter, standing among them for about the same time. There's others there who don't believe, who it seems God hasn't enabled to come to see Jesus for who he is. The evidence is the same. They're looking, they're listening. It's the same Jesus saying and doing these things in their presence. They've been fed, they've been healed, they've been taught by Jesus and yet they're not believing. So close and yet so far. Joyce and I were talking yesterday about uh, this friend of ours that we know, this couple um, we know who've gone to work overseas. Both of them uh, were fairly involved in their church here in Sydney. Uh, we were at their wedding. They're, they're a lovely couple. But yet, as things are unfolding as we speak, um, the wife is going through this massive crisis of identity over where they've landed. They're running with a different crowd uh, in a different environment and seriously about to throw in the towel when it comes to her faith and her marriage. It's, it's sort of a, it's a difficult time. And it happens, as sad as it is, she wouldn't be the first, would she, to, to walk away from Jesus after having followed him for a while. You might have people you know who've done the same thing. And the tragedy of the situation is that here we have someone who, who's thirsty, walking away from living Water. We have someone who's starving, walking away from the bread of life. But they won't eat. They won't drink because they don't believe. And so they have to try to satisfy themselves somewhere else. But to whom shall we go, says Peter? There is nowhere else you're going to find life. And so this morning... If you're considering walking away, if you're finding believing hard, which it is sometimes, and you're imagining a life without Jesus, would you hear this warning? Life is hard, but it's a whole lot harder without Jesus. He has the words of eternal life. And would you hear the only way forward, if you find yourself in that situation that you're struggling to believe, would you hear verse 63, 
The, the Spirit gives life. It's the Spirit that gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. And the words that Jesus speaks, they're full of spirit and life. Would you humble yourself and ask the Spirit of God to help you see Jesus for who he is? Just like in that song I think we sang in the first bracket, Help Me, Father, to See Jesus. Would you be willing to open your heart to his words, to the gospel, to see if there's any life in it and to give yourself every chance you can to taste and see that he is good before you go looking somewhere else? And if you find yourself in that season of life, in that situation, please come in and speak to us afterwards. Uh, it will be an opportunity for us to talk and maybe pray and encourage each other. And those of you who were at church camp, can I continue to encourage you in your efforts to surprise our world? Uh, we know that Jesus has the words of eternal life and that there's nowhere else people can go to get that. So would you continue to persevere in developing habits that you know, build these bridges? Help us give opportunities to bless people and to, to eat with them and to build relationships to let us point people to the one who can give life. Would you pray with me as we close?